Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you and so good to be speaking to a few people in person and so many of you at home. Today, we're returning to a series called We Need to Talk About that we ran last autumn. It was aimed at helping us to engage with current issues and consider how we respond. We're going to run this short series over the next three Sundays, and today we need to talk about race. I want to take you back to the 25th of May this year, when George Floyd was tragically murdered whilst in police custody in Minneapolis. He was confronted by police outside a convenience store where he had allegedly used a counterfeit $20 bill to purchase cigarettes. During the arrest, a police officer knelt on his neck for nearly eight minutes and he subsequently died. His horrific death led to an outpouring of emotion across America that kind of echoed around the world and has created a renewed focus on the issue of racism. Protests here in Bristol on the 7th of June led to the statue of the slave trader Edward Colston being torn down and thrown into the harbour. Despite progress that's happened in so many ways, uh, this being a much more multicultural and tolerant society here in the UK, still prejudice and racism are prevalent today. To give you an example, the dance group Diversity um, performed a routine, a dance routine about George Floyd and Black Lives Matter uh, on a program at the start of September. And the broadcasters received 24,500 complaints. That dance routine has been viewed three million times on YouTube. It's had 84,000 likes, but actually 25,000 people gave it the thumbs down. And that kind of response shows that we still have a long way to go. We need to keep talking about race and diversity. And it feels very appropriate for us to be speaking about it today during Black History Month. I know I'm not coming to you as any kind of expert in diversity. Um, and as a white person, I am privileged in so many ways. I haven't had to suffer the same kind of prejudice, racism, and humiliation that so many of you have. But I'm convinced that I shouldn't remain silent either, that white people and white pastors need to speak out against racism. And I believe speaking up against injustice is completely in line with the truth of the gospel. The award-winning author and journalist Rennie Edo Lodge wrote this, every voice raised against racism chips away at its power. We can't afford to stay silent. So as I read the scripture that we're going to look at today, I'm going to take a knee. I realize that this may be misinterpreted, that some people might take offense, but I'm doing it to show that I submit 
to the authority of God's word. And I'm also doing it to show my identification with every person who has suffered racism or discrimination. So we're going to read from the letter uh, of Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We humble ourselves under its authority. Let the truth of your word shape our lives. Let our identity be defined primarily by you. We pray that in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Colossae about their new identity in Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus, everything is redefined. My identity isn't primarily shaped by where I was born or the job I have or the music I like. Who I am is fundamentally determined by the fact that I'm in Christ. Paul was telling the Colossians to live according to their real identity in Christ, to get rid of the old clothing of sin and put on their new outfit of compassion and love. In verse 11, he writes, There is not Greek and Jew circumcised, i.e. those who are culturally outside, uh, sorry, culturally part of God's people, and uncircumcised, those culturally outside. Barbarian, 
that was a mocking way that Greek speakers talked about non-Greeks, that their language sounded to them like bar, 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 or if I'm speaking too long, you think, oh, Ben's blah, blah, blah. Uh, so there's not a Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian. Scythia was a region just north of the Black Sea, and the people there were thought to be the epitome of unrefinement and savagery. I'm sure you can't think of anywhere like that in Bristol. So in God's family, there's not Greek or Jew, barbarian or Scythian savage, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. He is in each one of his followers. So why is this important? Well, God promised Abraham in Genesis 22, verse 18, that all nations of the earth would be blessed through his offspring. It has always been God's intention to gather a diverse family. We see the wonders of God being declared in many languages in Acts 2, verse 11, when the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. And God's plan is for every single people group to be represented in his kingdom. This speaks directly to issues of prejudice and racism. Prejudice on the basis of color, race, or nationality is sinful and wrong. David Anderson, who is an African-American pastor and author, um, says this, racism is not simply a skin problem, but is a sin problem. In 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said in his speech on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. He was speaking a hundred years after the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863 that had set millions of slaves free. And here we are, nearly 60 years after he spoke in 1963, and still racism is an issue. David Anderson, uh, who I mentioned a, a moment ago, tells the story of how he was stopped four times by the police on his first day as an intern at a church in Chicago. He was stopped on his way in, which meant that he was late on his first day, not great for first impressions. Then he was stopped again by a different police officer on his way out to lunch. And then on his way back in, he was stopped by another police officer. And then after he'd finished the day and was leaving work to go home, he was stopped again. If you're white, I wonder if you've ever been stopped by the police. I know I never have. Now, these issues are very real. Some of you have been stopped by the police. You've probably lost count of how many times. These issues play out in different ways in different nations. And it can be the same prejudice, but experienced differently. So if you grew up as a black person in the UK, your experience may well be very different from someone who grew up as an African-American in the United States. 
just as your experience would be very different if you're from any other ethnic minority in the UK. It's even different if you're from the Caribbean or Africa. And that's because of the legacy of the transatlantic slave trade and the particular oppression of people who were kidnapped and trafficked into slavery. Sadly, many hundreds of thousands of them through the port of Bristol. Now, we haven't got time today to talk about slavery with the proper care and explanation that it needs. But in a couple of weeks' time, Esther Swaffield Bray from International Justice Mission is going to speak to us more about modern-day slavery. If you're uh, watching this and you're white and privileged, you may not see that there's any kind of issue. But just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. We need eyes to see. Jesus said, when you see a speck in someone else's eye, first remove the plank in your own eye. We mustn't be blind to the things that are right in front of us. Renietto Lodge says this, white privilege is an absence of the consequences of racism, an absence of structural discrimination, an absence of your race being viewed as a problem first and foremost. Now, when I was growing up, there was one black girl in my class in junior school. I think I had no idea about diversity and issues of race. I then went to a much more diverse secondary school and had friendships uh, amongst many different cultures, which was amazing. And then uh, Jess and I were part of a wonderfully diverse church in London. I would say I've had to learn and have learned a lot, and I would say I've still got an awful lot to learn. I'm sorry to say there's been times when I've judged people based on the color of their skin. I've made wrong assumptions and misinterpreted people's actions. And I think that's because in the past, I was almost totally unaware that friends from other ethnicities were struggling against a system that was heavily weighted against them. I've come to realize that it definitely isn't a level playing field. The truth is that we are all prejudiced. We treat other people on the basis of how they look, whether it's how they're dressed or uh, how wealthy they look, how, uh, how well-kempt they are, the color of their skin. Often, we're not even aware that we're doing it. But there is story after story of people getting treated differently because of their accent or because of a more foreign-sounding name on a job application or because of the color of their skin. Actually, this is more than just about race. This is about diversity in all its forms. It's about gender. It's about considering people who are marginalized, like the deaf community or the mentally ill or those living in extreme poverty. Muslims can be just as likely to experience prejudice and racism as someone who is black. And much as we may want to believe that we treat everyone the same, 
often we don't. The Russian author Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote that the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. This isn't just about rounding up the nasty people. You know, if there are some prejudiced police officers or, or uh, getting together people of a certain political persuasion or ideology. This is about rooting out the sinfulness in our own hearts. As soon as we believe that someone is behaving a certain way because of how they look or the color of their skin, we are falling into prejudice and forgetting one of the fundamental truths of the gospel, that motives come from our hearts. That's where sin starts. Not in a culture or system or a people group, although it may be perpetuated through those things, but sin starts within me. If we forget that, then we can start to justify ourselves by our skin color and disqualify others because of theirs. But at that point, we've lost the gospel and we've missed Jesus. We've forgotten that we need his forgiveness every day for the sin that lurks in our hearts. At our worst, we treat those who are different from us as somehow less than human. But God calls us to live a different way when we join his diverse family, a new humanity, a different kingdom shaped by love and care for one another and putting to death the things that we know to be wrong. This is so hard to do. We tend to want to protect our position and privilege and power. But Paul writes in verse 2, set your minds on things above. Verse 3, for you have died. Verse 8, put away anger, wrath, malice, slander. Because in God's kingdom, verse 12, we're called to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And give away position. Bring privileged others. Give away power. There's a wonderful story about Chadwick Boseman, the star of Black Panther, who sadly died this year uh, of cancer. Apparently, he reduced his own salary for the film 21 Bridges in order that Sienna Miller, a white, privileged woman, would be paid fairly. Doesn't that sound like God's kind of upside-down kingdom? So this isn't just about white people not being racist. This is about every single person and how we treat others. We don't lose our cultural identity. It's just that it's not the most important thing. Uh, I was reading the pillar commentary on Colossians, and it says this, the Christian community is comprised of people who maintain their gender, familial, and social identities, 
Jews are still Jews in Christ. Gentiles are still Gentiles in Christ. Slaves are still slaves in Christ. But these earthly identities are no longer what is most important. Solidarity in Christ is now the ruling paradigm for the new community. Rennie Edo Lodge puts it like this. Not seeing race does little to deconstruct racist structures or materially improve the conditions which people of color are subject to daily. In order to dismantle unjust racist structures, we must see race. We must see who benefits from their race, who is disproportionately impacted by negative stereotypes about their race, and to who power and privilege is bestowed upon, earned or not, because of their race, their class, and their gender. Seeing race is essential to changing the system. We need to see one another as we are, not colorblind, not whitewashing, not everything being black and white, but blinded by love. Jesus, so full of love for you and I, crossed the greatest divide. He left the glory of heaven. He gave up his privilege and position in order to rescue us from sin and draw us into his global family. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're not called to always be in the right. We're not called to a certain culture or people group. We're called to walk in love. So what does that look like in our lives? Well, me speaking to you today isn't supposed to be a nice pep talk to help us be a little bit nicer or more tolerant to people from a different culture. This isn't about political correctness or loving everyone because we should. This is about having our hearts changed. This is heart change at a deeper level. When we understand grace, the free gift of God that Jesus gave himself for us on the cross, when our hearts are filled with love by God's Spirit, then our desires, our motives, our attitudes will be transformed because we'll know and understand that we're loved by God despite our sin through faith in Christ, we can be forgiven, reconciled to God, and reconciled to one another. And our perspective then will be completely transformed. It will affect the way we look at people, seeing them for who they are. Black British or Caribbean, African, white, Indian, Syrian, every nation and ethnicity. But loving them as people made in the image of God. Not trying really hard in our own strength, but asking God, please change my heart. Forgive me where I've been prejudiced. Fill me with your love. I think that's what Paul means 
when he concludes in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord forgave you. So you must also forgive. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. As an eldership, we are committed to being a church for everyone in Bristol. Black, white, rich, poor, young, old, Bristol-born and asylum seeker, people who have got everything together and people who are struggling just to get by each day, people who are deaf or hearing, people with additional needs, everyone in Bristol. Why is that? Because that's what God's kingdom looks like. And heaven will be like that too. Listen to John's vision of heaven in Revelation 7 verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's what it's going to look like. That's what the whole of history is moving towards. So what is God saying to you today? And what are you going to do about it? Those are two questions that we should be asking ourselves every time we read the Bible or every time we have the Bible preached to us. I think the important thing is that you do something, that you act on what God is doing in your heart. Let's give the final word to Rennie Edo Lodge. She says this, if you are disgusted by what you see, and if you feel the fire coursing through your veins, then it's up to you. You don't have to be the leader of a global movement or a household name. It can be as small scale as chipping away at the warped power relations in your workplace. It can be passing on knowledge and skills to those who wouldn't access them otherwise. It can be creative. It can be informal. It can be your job. It doesn't matter what it is as long as you're doing something. What is it? that you're going to do? What's God saying and what are you going to do about it? I want to give you one challenge as we close. If, if you're part of City Church Bristol, I challenge you during the rest of this month of October to have a meal or a coffee with someone from a different culture or ethnic group that you wouldn't normally mix with. It might be someone else from the church that you've been meaning to connect with, but you haven't managed to yet make it this month. Or it could be a neighbor or a work colleague. But spend some time together. Ask about each other's experiences, because that's how we're all going to learn and grow together. We have a long way to go, but I believe God is forming us into this kind of family that is diverse and is marked out by its love. Let's pray together. 
Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. By your spirit, please come and touch our hearts right now in this moment. Lord, please change my heart. Please forgive me where I've been prejudiced. I'm sorry for the times I've discriminated against other people. Please change me. Fill my heart with your love. And we pray for our church. Make us a church for everyone in Bristol. Please make us more diverse. Send us to every part of Bristol, every people group and language, every subculture. Send us to the most marginalized and excluded and help us to share your love with them. Amen.